David, he was chosen by God to be king. He had a great track record until he had an oops moment, an affair. It looked as if it was just a one-night stand, but it was adultery. But then bad turned to worse as he tried to cover it up, uh, particularly involving her husband, who at the time of the affair was away uh, at war. And he brought him back and uh, tried to get him to go home, and he didn't actually agree to go home. And then worse turned to bad because he arranged to have him murdered. He had him put in the front line and the other troops would draw away. So one thing turned to another, and it was some time before the penny dropped when one of the prophets, why is it the prophets always have to break the bad news, came and told a little story, and suddenly the penny dropped. And then out of that uh, adultery and the cover-up and the murder came forgiveness. But with the forgiveness came consequences, But after the consequences, out of bad came an awful lot of good. The later birth of Solomon, probably the second greatest king of Israel, and the um, status of David all the way down through the Old Testament into the New Testament and today, in spite of that. So that really is, in a nutshell, the account uh, of uh, the Bible reading that we're going to hear excerpts from now. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, So I got some slides here to to accompany this. Uh, One thing I don't normally do is to have slides which are all words and just bullet points. I normally like to have illustrations, but I thought on this account, what sort of illustrations can I use and actually put them on the screen? So apologies that it's a rather dated type of bullet points only all the way through pretty well. Um, and we're going to break halfway through and, uh, and sing, sing a hymn, just to give a bit of a break in it, because I understand from somebody who told me you'd like to be home for lunch, so it won't go on later than one o'clock. Is that okay? <laughs> anyway, we're looking at a royal affair and its consequences. And uh, the first point is a point that I often notice with the Old Testament. Have you noted the honesty of the Old Testament writers? They tell the good, the bad, and the ugly. They don't hold back, and that's different from an awful lot of history, whether it's uh, old history or new history. Most history will tend to tell the good and tell it according to the agenda of the writer, but the Old Testament isn't like that. Uh, They tell the good and bad and the ugly, and uh, what that does, it helps us to relate the history to today's 21st century culture because we get a good rounded view of it. And as a result of that, uh, we can see and hear what God is saying to us over 3,000 years. Now, what happened is a long time ago, you'd think that everything would have changed by then. But the more I look into this story, the more I think nothing's changed. So then we look a little bit more now into the overall situation with David. And the first thing was we find that he was chosen by God to be king. So he was very much selected, very special and to this day, by the Jewish nation and the Jewish people, looked on as their most special king. But secondly, uh, he had a very good track record, at least so far. But thirdly, that was until 
this kind of oops moment. Quite a lot of people have an oops moment of one kind or another, and David had a bit of a humdinger of that, but not that unusual a one. However, as I mentioned a bit earlier, uh, the next point is that bad turned to worse, the adultery turned to cover up, and the next point is that worse turned to really bad, which was the murder. And then a little bit later, uh, as you saw, when the prophet comes, the penny drops all of a sudden. It may have been repressed in his thoughts until now, but it dropped. And the result of that was two things, which always seem to go together, forgiveness but consequences. But then finally, out of bad came a lot of good. So that's kind of the structure of this historical account, and that's a structure of what happens or can happen such a lot today. So let's take it apart a little bit. First of all, the, uh, the oops moment. You get this situation where David, one late afternoon, he's had a little nap. It's nice if kings can have a nap. It's a bit like Churchill, isn't it? Um, and he got up and had a walk around on his roof, and he saw uh, a rather um, attractive lady, in fact, an extremely attractive lady, taking a bath. Um, it would have been in the inner courtyard. Now, I mean, Uriah was a major commander of David's troops, so he would have had a decent house near to the palace, and the house would have had an inner courtyard, and there she was taking a bath. It was safe to do so there because the houses around couldn't see, but of course the the palace, being higher, looked down on it. So David did see, and he thought, hmm, she's rather nice. And then he tried to find out who she was. Oh, that's who she is, and her husband's away, Uriah, one of my commanders, can you, think, can you see the thoughts going on a little bit here? And the next thought was, well, why not? Your eyes away. I'm the king. She's rather gorgeous. So there was a one-night stand. And so, bang went commandment number 10. On the first one, um, she's nice. The commandment, don't covet. Bang went commandment number seven on adultery. And what's the result of that? A few weeks later, what do you mean? Pregnant. Gosh. And then we look at the next point and we wonder why. Was that incident because David got too big for his boots? Or was it just an affair of the moment? We don't know. If he was in the mould of a lot of potentates of that area and of this area, era, it could have been because he got too big for his boots. I can do anything. I've got a great track record. I don't care. But I have a feeling that it might also have been an affair of the moment because David hadn't been like that so far. And today, in our postmodern culture, affairs of the moment happen all the time. So it could have been one or the other, or a bit of both. And then on the next uh, bullet point, I think about Bathsheba. What about Bathsheba? There she was in the inner courtyard, uh, taking a bath, and the only other place she could see was the palace, and the roof of the palace where David walked every so often. No doubt it wasn't the first time. So... Was there a little bit of a thought on Bathsheba's part because her husband was away thinking, yeah, that wouldn't be a bad idea. I quite like that. So was it a little bit of seduction going on there? Or 
Was it entirely the opposite? That it was accidental, that she didn't actually think of that possibility happening? Sorry, what? Did somebody say something? Oh, right, yes, yeah. Um, the other thing, which is totally different from that, that I was thinking, is that David sent for Bathsheba, and if he then wanted to take her to his bedroom, she would have no choice. He was a king. What would that be? That would be rape. Okay? So, from Bathsheba's point of view, it either could be that she was caught up in this and she really wasn't that keen on it, but it happened, or that she had a little bit of a scheme, or that it was rape. Either of it uh, means that it was not a good thing happening there. And then we look at today, in the last slide. Uh, Look at the generations. Um, My generation was the war baby generation. Anybody as old as me here? One or two getting on for there. Um, The phrase war babies came into vogue. And it's not surprising, is it? You can imagine that uh, men and women who were going off to fight, uh, they didn't know if they would return at all. They didn't know if they'd be killed the next day. Uh, Of course, such things would happen. And of course, there would be war babies. But probably for one of the first times in a thousand years, war babies could be at home. Because almost anywhere in the UK, particularly industrial areas, places like Yeovil, for example, no doubt Taunton, Plymouth and Coventry, completely uh, gone, would be bombed. And people who were civilians and not out at the front could well think that I'm not going to live till tomorrow, possibly, because the bombers are coming over. When I was growing up in uh, the Midlands town of Burton-on-Trent, Uh, I remember quite distinctly, and I must have only been about five or six or seven at the time, Oxbridge Street, the next street to ours, was pitted with bombed-out houses. And the factory that had been across the road from me was just a pile of rubble. And there must have been a clutch of bombs dropped on that uh, just sometime during the war. War babies. And you can imagine that, but that perhaps was the start of a different, more casual culture. Because then you have the swinging 60s. Anybody was a teenager or in their 20s in the swinging 60s like I was? Yeah, a few heads (laughs) nodding away there. Um, My wife, when we first met, she uh, worked at the um, nurse's home to the Middlesex Hospital just off Oxford Street. Now, how swinging is that? Uh, when I left Cliff, Cliff College, I came down and got a bedsit in Great Titchfield Street, just round the corner. Yeah, we knew Carnaby Street, we knew Oxford Street. We saw the girls in miniskirts driving round in minis. You know, we, we, we saw it all happen. And uh, when we married and got a job, we, we, I got a job, I got a flat in, um, uh, we got a flat uh, in uh, West Hampstead, and I had a Vespa. What do you do, don't you? And Lambretta, nowhere. Where are Lambrettas these days? Nowhere. Where are Vespas? still going, right. And I worked near Marble Arch, and every day I used to go on my uh, Vespa over the level crossing in Abbey Road, where at that time the Beatles were making their records. And we saw the swinging sisters, where suddenly it was safer and easier than ever to have an affair. And people did. They looked back on the previous generation and said, why not? And so that has had its influence today, on today's casual affairs. Um, 
A department in the workplace goes off for an away weekend. And affairs happen. Just because people want to have fun. 50% of married people, according to statistics, uh, have affairs. I don't know who they asked or how they asked them, but that's the statistic that we get. We have got a very uh, common situation. Particularly today, teenagers and those in their 20s, if they don't have an affair, if they're still virgins, they're looked on as somehow rather unusual. And what's wrong with you? That is our culture today. And we have this link, therefore, uh, with, with David. But let's have a look on the next slide um, about Uriah, Uriah. Now, what about Uriah? Uh, let's find out a little bit about where he was. Uh, on the first bullet there, um, we see uh, that... If we have it, yeah, Uriah was quite a way away fighting the Ammonites at Rabbah. You see the left-hand arrow is pointing to Jerusalem. The right-hand one is pointing to Rabbah. And that's quite a way away from Jerusalem. So he was well out of the way, and he had a way to come back. Just so that you can fix your geography, he was fighting the Ammonites. And uh, Ammon then is Jordan today. Uh, and Rabbah then is Amman, now the capital of Jordan. Ammon, Amman. So it's like Jerusalem and Jordan. Uh, so it's quite a difficult journey there and back, down into the valley and back up again and so on. Uh, not easy. So, you know, he wasn't uh, exactly around the corner. He was away. And uh, in the next uh, bullet, uh, you can see how David was thinking, well, um, why not? Here's an idea, not only uh, of being able to, uh, uh, you know, have an affair with Bathsheba, but I think there might be a good idea to cover it up. So in the next bullet point, we see that an idea is forming in his head once this one-night stand is over, and particularly uh, when he finds out that Bathsheba is pregnant. So let's go on to the next slide. So here we have the bad turning to worse and the cover-up scheme. Uh, so what David said was, bring Uriah back quickly. He'll want to uh, see his wife, shall we say. That'll sort it. And everybody will think that the child she's going to have is his. So I'm out of it. No problem. After all, in Israel, the penalty for adultery uh, is death. And I can't really pronounce death on myself, can I? Well, I wouldn't want to. So that's a good way of getting out of it. Uh, get him out quick. Uh, so the next bullet point... Uh, Uriah comes, uh, Uriah go home and well relax and here's a little present. And you can imagine Uriah thinking, why am I here? Because when he got here from the passage, all we find that David was asking him is, how's the war going? And you've managed, I didn't have to come all this way to tell you, I could have wrote it on a sheet of paper and sent it to you for goodness sake. Why am I here? And you can think, a little suspicion might have crept in his mind at that time. Uh, so um, what happens is Uriah actually didn't go home. He camped uh, outside the uh, palace door instead of going home a block or two um, and uh, came around, oh, you didn't go home, Uriah. Um, ah, right. So he had to think a little bit. So the next bullet point, David says to Uriah, well, come round for dinner tonight. We'll have lots of wine. And the passage tells us David tried to get him drunk. Oh, and did I say I'm going to send you back to the front tomorrow? So you better get on with anything you're going to get on if you're going to go and see your wife again. Can you see the cover-up just getting more and more of a cover-up all the time? But then in the next bullet point, 
The next morning, oh, you're still here. Rats, you haven't gone home. And in the final bullet point on this slide, and so today. That is the difficulty that what, turns, what starts on a Saturday night one-night stand or a casual acquaintance or something that happens at a company away day starts to get more complicated and turns into cover-up as well as adultery or an affair. And in whatever situation it happens, that gets more and more complicated. And most families will have experience of how this has happened and somewhere in the family, sometimes very close. So let's go on to the next slide. Worse is turning to really bad. He'll have to go, is what David was clearly thinking now. Uh, Something has got to be done because I can't be seen to be involved with this. He must be seen to be the father of the baby that Bathsheba's going to have. I know Joab, who is his commander-in-chief, Put Uriah on the front line and then, like, pull back so he'll be killed. And Joab must have been horrified at this thought. But we know from later on in the account, years later on, Joab was himself a little bit of a politician commander, a bit of a schemer. So maybe he thought, well, I've got to do this anyway, but, you know, I've got to be loyal. But if I can take advantage of it, maybe I will one day. Uh, And David thinks people will still think our baby was his if he's killed. And so Uriah was killed uh, and some others uh, with him. So bang goes commandment number six, murder. So we've had coveting your neighbor's wife, we've had adultery, we've had murder. That's that's three out of ten gone, all in the space of a few weeks. That's not bad, is it? Well, it is bad, isn't it? What happened after that? On the next bullet, uh, Bathsheba mourned, a formal period of mourning. And you can imagine that she stressed quite a lot, can you not? must have been a very difficult time for both of them. Until David, on the next bullet point, came along suddenly, probably to Bathsheba's relief, and said, Oh, hi, Bathsheba, let's get married, like now. So it was rather a quick marriage. Well, that's not exactly old-fashioned, is it? And in the next bullet, she gave birth to a son. However, in the last bullet on this slide, the Lord was displeased with what David had done. Well, you can imagine, can't you? From the adultery to the cover-up to fixing for murder of one of his top commanders. Can it get much worse than that? Well, it does take a bit of a turn. Before we look at that, we're going to sing again. Uh, We're going to sing Man of Sorrows. What a name for the Son of God. It's, It's a lovely... That was a nice one. That was a nice one, I think, wasn't it? Did everybody know that? No, I didn't either, but it's a nice one. It was a different one from the Man of Sorrows, what a name, him, that I was thinking of, but it was nice to have it. It's, it's good. Thank you very much indeed for, for, for doing that. Anyway, let's look um, now at the next part uh, of our message. Have the next uh, slide up, please, or the first slide of the, uh, of the second set. So we're continuing a royal affair and its consequences, and let's go on to the next slide. Uh, when the, the penny dropped... Um, or rather, as in the first bullet point here, it was dropped on David. In the next bullet, we see that Nathan the prophet tells a little um, Sean the sheep story. So I put a little Sean. That's not Sean, is it? That's the baby sheep out of Sean the sheep, okay? Uh, Timmy, for any of you who know, because the Sean the sheep story 
And why is it always prophets who have to bake the bad news? Would anybody like to have been a prophet? Not really. Not really. He told this, uh, this story about uh, a rich man and a poor man. The rich man had lots of sheep and cattle and everything. The poor man just had one lamb uh, who was a, a pet as much as anything. And the rich man gave a banquet, gave a piece, uh, gave a feast, and guess whose animal he took to roast? He took the poor man's. And David was so shocked at this that he said, well, whoever this is, he deserves to, start to die. Big, big penalty. Uh, give the poor man... Uh, four lambs instead, and, and Nathan said, actually, it's you. Would you like to have been Nathan uh, saying that? But what was David's response? No excuses. No cover-up. To say we don't know whether his guilt was repressed in his mind all the way through, or what. But it just came out like that. Now, these days, there is a different culture that when news breaks, people try to pretend it's not like that and it didn't really happen like that. And the papers are full of that sort of thing. We read about them and see about them all the time. But David's response was a bit where uh, this bad turning to worse and so on uh, started to take a very, very quick turn because all he said was, I have sinned against the Lord. I come clean, that's it. And uh, the way he responded in the Bible text shows that this was almost pouring out of him. It makes me think it's that it was a bit repressed in him, that suddenly it just burst out and he said, yeah, it's me, I've done wrong, I've sinned. I've done dreadful things. And so in the next bullet, uh, what a reply from Nathan. Fascinating reply. Let's go to the next slide. He said, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die for this sin. First thing Nathan said, what a relief that must have been. Immediate. No inquisitions. No front pages on the sun and the mirror and the Daily Telegraph and the Times and the Guardian. You won't die for this sin. What a great thought, said David. Probably got up to go except that Nathan hadn't finished yet. Nevertheless, uh uh-oh, what's coming now? Do you know when people give you good news, sometimes there's a little but added to it, and you get the bad news? Well, this was one of the but moments. Um, Quite in a few instances, if you see in the Bible from one verse to another, words like nevertheless or but or therefore or whatever, always connected with what's gone before because, quite interesting, Because you have shown utter contempt for the word of the Lord, by doing this, your child will die. Notice the contrast. First thing he said, you won't die, but there will be consequences. Your child will die. We go on to the next slide, where we look a little bit more at the first element of this, the forgiveness Notice that the forgiveness was before he had even asked for it. All he'd said was, I've done wrong, I've sinned, yes. And he didn't even say, please forgive me. And that was quite interesting. Because something there is in place. Because of his confession and repentance. That was enough to call forward 
the forgiveness of God for what he had done. And for people today, whatever it is that they have done wrong, messed up, covered up, made even worse, the confession and repentance give this immediate uh, forgiveness. And in the next bullet, notice the, the, uh, the tense, the past tense. The Lord has forgiven you. It's already happened. You now have been forgiven. But of course, the forgiveness uh, through the ages was brought about by Christ's death. And the cross was a thousand years later, and yet it was retrospective. It was effective to what had happened in the past. And we were told in the New Testament, it's effective to what is happening in the future. And that's interesting, isn't it? That the cross is not fixed at AD 30, or whatever it was. And so we go on to the last slide, uh, on this slide. That the Christ whom David wrote about in advance, which you'll see in Acts 2, we'll talk about that in a moment, is unbounded by space-time. Anybody interested in cosmology and space-time and relativity and E equals MC squared, um, that is really, really um, evidenced and demonstrated for us in the cross, the resurrection, the after-resurrection appearances, the Holy Spirit. Uh, It is irrespective of space and time. It is an eternal event which has effect throughout all of our time and space. And that's interesting in relation to the fact also that David is the one who wrote about Christ in advance, even though he didn't realize it, because in Acts 2, um, on the day of Pentecost, when the uh, disciples became apostles, were filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter went out and preached, and he quoted David again, again and again. And David is the person in Acts 2 preaching. So that's interesting. Let's go on to the next slide. Consequences. Always consequences. From this time on, Nathan said, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. Because of what you have done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. And they did. Next consequence. The child died. David clearly loved him because we read in that passage when he died, David was really, really heartbroken about it. Uh, He loved him. It was his child. Even though the circumstances were bad, he loved him and the child was taken away from him. And lastly, David's reign was never the same again. He never reached that height. So forgiveness, yes, consequences as well. But the interesting thing that we need to recover a lot more today, and it has been true ever since war babies, through the 60s and now, is on the next slide. A lot of bad, uh, out of bad rather, can come a lot of good. Uh, As examples, uh, Solomon was born, uh, the second child of David and Bathsheba, and Solomon would be quite something. King of Israel in its golden age, following on from David. He would be gifted with great wisdom, He would be the builder of the temple, the temple that David was not allowed to be the builder of. Solomon was. Uh, He was a composer, and he was an author of wise sayings. So what a lot of good came out of that bad. 
And the other thing that is recorded straight away here, thank you, is that David went off to the battle at Rabbah and he won. It had been going on quite a long time. Joab had been running it so far. Uh, Uriah had died in it. Joab called back to David saying, look, if you come along now, we're nearly there, uh, then you'll take the credit instead of me and won't that be good? Can you see this little scheming going on for Joab? Because he was a bit like that, as I said. So those um, good things can come out of the bad things. And let's look a little bit more about that in the next slide. We can see that David, as a result um, of all that he did, was honoured, but in spite of everything, and especially in relation to Jesus. Now, that's interesting because uh, things like the adultery and cover-up and murder, uh, that's not anything that is is light, and yet David, in spite of that, was honoured. And, of course, that was because of the forgiveness and so on which uh, was there. But when you look at the relation to Jesus... Uh, In the next uh, bullet point here, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the city of David. Uh, Joseph was a descendant of David. And in the next bullet, uh, Jesus is frequently called the son of David. And in the final bullet, as I mentioned before, David was much quoted in Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost. So it's amazing uh, how God can take lives that are soiled and tainted, even by really bad stuff and can make good come out of them. Let's turn to today now in the next slide. Uh, And so today, war babies, swinging 60s, today's casual. Oh yes, Justin Welby, isn't that fascinating? I mean, didn't the Telegraph act more like the Daily Mirror or the Sun in splashing that over five pages, for goodness sake? Um, But didn't Justin Welby react so well to it? Oh yeah. It was a one-day stand. It was a casual affair. They thought it was going to be all right, and it wasn't. Um, But how much more will that attract people in this country to think, yeah, there's a chap who's got a background like mine was. And if he can be like he is now, then there's a chance for me. And how would it help Justin Welby, or indeed many uh, a person who's been through this, to understand what happens in the lives of other people as a result of this kind of thing because he has gone through that as well himself. And for those of us who today are war babies, and that includes me, and for those of us who today went through the swinging 60s and swung more than most, and my wife and I didn't swing that much in the swinging 60s, we knew better than that by looking around us and seeing what happened to those who did. Um, We saw what happened to the Rolling Stones and the Beatles once they swung a bit too much. You can go on about this thing, but then you can say that criminals, including murderers, also know forgiveness. You only have to look at what happens in prisons about the number of criminals, including murderers, who come to Christ in prison. Um, I'm a trustee of the Oddments Theatre Company. I don't know if anybody's seen their performances. Um, A lot of their work now is done in prisons, uh, and it's really tricky work. It's, I mean, it's safe in a sense because they take a lot of care over them, uh, but um, it's, it's a very difficult place to work in. Uh, but they, like Alpha in prisons, have got some great stories about what happens, what changes happen to people in prison. So when you look at uh, these things, uh, you look at the commonality today uh, of affairs, 
You look at the results and outcomes of criminality. You look at the cover-ups that go on, which are so much built into our society. Uh, You look at how one thing leads to another and bad leads to worse and how contemporary that is today. And you say yes. And uh, it's very few families who don't know this from their own experience. And you, like me, may be thinking now, yeah, there's that and that and that. Oh, yes, and I'm rather too close to this for my own liking at one stage. How fascinating that can be for people today to know that from David to us, there is this same commonality. Today, Christ can choose anybody and does to be special. He can help us to have a good track record. Whatever we do, however senior, however junior, until the ups moment, when so commonly today, people, it might have been us, it might have been somebody else, it might be people who think nothing about anything, have that ups moment. And then how often bad can turn to worse, and worse can turn to really bad, until the penny drops. And particularly... Uh, for people who become Christians and often people who don't. There is a situation there, but in Christ's situation, in the next slide, no matter what the background, forgiveness comes immediately, but has consequences. And today, more and more people are finding out that they come from that situation into forgiveness uh, because it is no longer, and for some time hasn't been uh, the tradition for people to go up, grow up through a um, traditional or non-traditional church background. Uh, And unless they are in a church school where religious knowledge is taught well and so on, they may know, and most people do know, very little about uh, Jesus and what he is and what he does and what is possible. But then when they find out and the penny drops, how amazing it can be but there are still those consequences. But finally, remember, and let's never forget, out of bad can come a lot of good. And whatever the background of you or me or our immediate family or our friends or our distant family, when Christ can get in there, all those things can happen. Well, the last slide is just about homework. Um, Do preachers normally give you homework? I always give people homework. Um, apart from the house groups which haven't yet looked at this passage uh, here's your homework for next week Uh, read Psalm 51 which was written by David as a prayer after the affair and the murder and on the next bullet uh, we've got the the heading of that psalm it says a psalm of David when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba Uh, and uh, as you see from the last bullet that is actually Uh, next week's theme as you've no doubt already seen from the plan so that's a little bit of planning in advance for it Uh, but if I can just say as a postscript and this didn't happen actually until Friday um, at the moment in Krukern um, I'm running um, a course on behalf of Churches Together it's a post-alpha type course uh, on Christians in the workplace for people who are at work and how you live out Christian values and culture in the workplace and this last Friday Um, It was uh, workplace culture today and how Christians can influence workplace culture. Um, And I changed the Bible passage study to this passage we've been looking at today because the more I saw it, the more I related it to how the workplace is today and how uh, connected they are.
Um, and uh, I did uh, a sheet of bullet points on workplace issues which relate to culture. And I've left a few at the back there. And if anybody would like to take one, if you're in the workplace or those of your family or friends are in the workplace and they're coming up against it, it doesn't have to be affairs, it can be manipulation, it can be bosses um, doing cover-ups, it can be people who are trying to take advantage of one another, it can be people who are trying to exit or get rid of people that they don't want for any particular reason. It happens all the time. And yet there is a way of turning the culture of the workplace round so that it can be different and it can be much more positive. And I was surprised at how closely that linked with this passage. So anybody in the workplace or close to people who are, then do, if you'd like to, have a look at that. And I can tell you, we had about an hour and a quarter normally for our evening studies, and an hour of it was taken looking at this, uh, the, the people who were there. Uh, working every day, which I'm not now, I'm retired, so I just deadhead roses, you see. Uh, they, they, um, they really had come across pretty well all of the things that we saw. So that's just a postscript, which only happened from Friday.